gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then. Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. It's, it's a podcast. podcast. Hello and welcome to Fighting in the War Room, episode 17, the review segment for Friday, April 4th, 2014. This date has been glued in my head for a long time for no apparent reason, because apparently I care more about Captain America the Winter Soldier than I would have expected. Really? But today is the day. I figured I it was like a month out from your wedding or something. Well, part of that too, but it was also <laughs> just like, I just remembered Captain America coming April 4th. I guess it felt weird to have a Marvel movie opening in April, but... Uh, I think it's probably going to Every weekend off. is a viable blockbuster opening weekend now. That's true. That's true. That's never going to end. So Captain America the Winter Soldier, it's here. It's the newest Marvel movie. It is, I believe it is the last one that will be leading, actively leading into the Avengers. From what I understand, Guardians of the Galaxy, which is coming later this summer, has a totally separate narrative, which means we might have to hear about the Tesseract for a little bit, which would be great. Why do you hate the Tesseract so much? Because it's boring. Yeah, what has the Tesseract ever done to you, Katie, huh? Uh, well, this Destroyed New York. Never forget. Spoiler alert, Thanos is not in Captain America, which brings me great joy. Uh, but what is in Captain America is a lot of stuff. This is, like some other Marvel movies, a very complicated plot that I believe some of it counts as spoilers. We'll try not to get into too much of it and then jump into a spoiler segment. But basically, Captain America is in modern times. He is working for S.H.I.E.L.D. basically because he doesn't have anything else to do. Um, and he, as you can see in some of the, some, a bit in the Avengers, he's a little uncomfortable with the amount of kind of military industrial complex that S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming up with. And uh, at some point, that military industrial complex starts to turn against him in a way when a random attack occurs. I can't even decide how vague I should be. It's if you see Mission Impossible 3. Imagine Mission Impossible 3 in the Marvel Universe with no Philip Seymour Hoffman. May he rest in peace. And uh, that's pretty much what you got here. He's a part of a mega huge, you know, espionage. And I thought it was more, else. I thought it was more Godacall. They have like and ghost what, protocol. No, nah, nah, Godacall was all over the place and didn't even make sense. I'm giving this as a compliment to Captain America. The <laughs> world, it's a world pretty big insult for me, but and go one on. The only that I'll give it is that it, uh, wow. you know, it's, it, it eventually becomes a man on the run from his own agency. He's got to find out who the mole is and who's doing this and that. And he's got the help of, you know, familiar faces uh, in some cases, like Scarlett Johansson, who reprises her role as Black Widow. Uh, but it's really more in the Natasha Romanoff uh, side of her character in this film. And then you have Anthony Mackie, who has slimmed down a little bit since Pain and Gain uh, and become a lot less interesting in the process as the Falcon, who is apparently a guy who has a wingsuit who appears out of nowhere. Uh, but, it was uh, built by the military. It's pretty well established, <laughs> but go on. I mean, this is an American military that has a helicarrier. I can totally buy that they would be able to build. Seriously. Oh, no, it's, not the, it's not the logistics of the wingsuit that threw me. It's uh, how it's introduced. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, that, I guess. <laughs> I got a wingsuit in my garage. Go get it. We need that. It's also because uh, the scene where they go and get the wingsuit, they gloss over. It's a joke in the film. They're just like, yeah, we'll just go in there and get it. It's not a big deal. Uh, and then it just sort of appears. Um, anyway, it's more or less, you know, guy on the run. He's got to figure out what's going on with his own agency. Uh, and the more interesting implications of the story are really uh, pertaining to S.H.I.E.L.D.'s purpose in the world and their history uh, and their future. Fair enough. I mean, if you've been watching the Marvel movies and being like, I want more about this bureaucracy that's united everybody together, Captain America is the movie for you. But to their credit, 
they do make it a really compelling kind of political thriller. As we were talking about last week, it's kind of one of those things where you don't know who to trust. And, you know, there's some really interesting embedded critique of the government, which I think we can talk about more um, when we get into the spoiler section. And this all really worked for me. I got, I had a really good time watching this movie. I thought a lot of the action worked. It's not, I don't think it has the strongest action sequences of any of the Marvel movies, but the Russo brothers do a pretty good job of keeping everything together. And it's funny. And Captain America is probably the Marvel character I most enjoy seeing at the center of his own movie, which I find really impressive because he probably ought to be really boring. Well, he has something going on, unlike most of the other Marvel characters. I never really feel the conflict, the character-driven conflict in someone like Thor, who's deciding to go between Earth and Asgard, or Iron Man, who... What, what is Iron Man's deal? That he has too much power or he's too good looking? I don't know. But like Steve Rogers is really a fish out of water. He's really from another time. I don't know. I, I Yeah, I totally agree with you that he has so much more going on than any of the other characters. Uh, yeah, I'll give you I'll give you guys that. I mean, I think that, you know, um, just get this out of the way now. I mean, the reason the movie doesn't – and I don't think any of the standalone Marvel movies really do much for me or can sustain my interests more than the opening 45 minutes, which is something the Captain America World Police follows in a grand tradition of doing and then not doing, uh, is because I don't really find any of these characters all that interesting. I think Captain America is far and away the most interesting of them. Uh, but the, the Avengers had the, uh, had the ability to sort of bounce around between all of them uh, 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, and then, you know, to the movie's great credit, much smaller increments of time that are sort of juggled simultaneously. Um, and that's why I was able to sustain my interest, because the combined power of them all did it for I, me. I, I can't I, believe I can't, uh, like, your your Mission Impossible 3 comparison is actually on point, because there's a lot of, like, little details sprinkled in. And, and actually, I think Captain America's Winter Soldier is more successful than Mission Impossible 3 in having, like, little side conversations about relationships and characters and kind of throwaway jokes that reveal things about people. Like, in the first scene, you know, Captain America has this list of pop culture things he's trying to catch up on from the last, you know, 50 or 60 years or, what, 70. Um, But it's a funny list. It's a throwaway gag, but it really means something, too. I mean, he's trying to play catch up. And then throughout the movie, Natasha, Scarlett Johansson, is kind of ribbing him about getting a girlfriend or like getting a social life, having having a life beyond the mission. And they're throwaway jokes because it's a nice flirty attitude, but it's also real. I mean, the guy, he's been recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. after being unfrozen from a glacier, and all he does is go on missions. Like, you need to have a life, yeah, man. Right. Uh, I think the dynamic between those two characters, between Natasha and Captain America, is uh, the most interesting in the film. Uh, I think Falcon is a real throwaway character. And then where the movie really became a slog for me is in the in- introduction of the win- the titular Winter Soldier, uh, who I we- we've debated a little bit as to whether or not his identity is a spoiler, but it, I don't think it really is. I don't think there's really any uh, other options to who it could have been. Uh, but it, it really just... It reminded me how much what's interesting about this character is in his present and not at all in his past beyond his sort of origin story because uh, that whole thing of like, oh, he's been – I mean they did it in The Avengers too with Hawkeye uh, and Dr. Martin Selvig you know, being – their eyes glazed over and being slaves to Loki – it's like, who are you behind your eyes? Like, can I talk you over to, to realizing and remembering who you are? I mean, all that shit, it's the oldest thing in the book, and it's so boring. Uh, and it, the movie places way too much of its emotional weight on that, um, which really the only dynamic that uh, it leaves itself to work with is uh, sort of the political angle 
with uh, Shield, which again is something that has been played in all of the Shield based movies and I think is done reasonably well here even if Robert Redford who plays the uh, is introduced as the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, does not give I feel like you have a lot of nice things to say about this movie it's all pulling teeth but um, <laughs> I, I feel like going back to the point about the Winter Soldier relationship one I do think it's a mistake to have the character in the movie the movie actually does not need the Winter Soldier angle Agreed. in it and it no, and and, and the movie kind of ends setting up for another I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's a spoiler, but there's going to be more Winter Soldier in this Marvel universe. I mean, you don't introduce that character and throw him away in one movie. I don't think. But what's, um, what's but in, but I mean, it what's gets interesting about his character. Like, where do you take it? I don't understand. Well, that's like, oh, this is what guy. I'm getting at. This is what I'm getting at. Despite Winter Soldier not needing the Winter Soldier, it has enough going on. There's enough intrigue with this whole mole situation within Shield. You don't need it, um, and yet Chris Evans sells it. He's such a good actor, and like scenes between him. And the Winter Soldier are are terrifying because at first, like, who is this unknown assailant? Um, you see the fear that Wait, someone. You, you, no. you knew who the. It doesn't matter who. I mean, that, it doesn't matter if you know or not. That's what I'm saying. I, it's a testament to his performance. Yes, and that terrifying. he conveys that. And then later, when he knows who it is, that is a really poignant moment. Not necessarily because it's a reveal that sweeps us up. Oh, my God, that's who the Winter Soldier is? We know the whole time. But Chris Evans can establish a relationship with a few glances, with a, with a, a mouth agape, that was not established in the first Captain America, the, the first Avenger. You know, We didn't get enough of that relationship in that first movie to make this one really work. And yet it does because of Chris Evans. I agree that Chris Evans... Does, plays this role about as well as it could possibly be played. Um, however, I think you are, Not a compliment. Off your, you are high off your ass if you think that anything in this movie is terrifying. Uh, if there's any oh, palpable no. sense... We'll, we'll get there when the spoiler section happens, but I was, I was honestly there's shocked by the something. The only... And this will go into the spoiler section a little bit. Um, I, I will not reveal anything that's a spoiler here. But uh, the only sense of danger when you're playing around with these characters, you know we're going to be in these movies for as long as their contracts allow them to be, um, is, is what could happen to the people that they care about. And that, I'm not brushing that under the rug. I'm not saying that it's, it's a non-event, but uh, certainly zero sense of danger. <laughs> but that's the Captain funny America thing. I didn't see certain things coming. Squaring off. I didn't see certain things coming because I'm, like, aware of contracts. Like, I kept asking myself, who got signed for extra movies? Who could actually die? Maybe that's maybe so these people are going to die. And I, oh, I mean, it's super telling. And it's, but that's not the movie's fault. That's, a, it, that's Marvel's the, I mean, it's hate, the, it's hate the game, not the player, you know, but... Uh, or the opposite of that, however people usually say it. I don't know. But um, that's, yeah, I mean, but it, it's, it can't be denied that you are thinking about it less in terms of, you're thinking about it the way that the Marvel suits think of it. Where it's like yeah. less about um, what makes the most sense with the characters than, you know, who, who do they have contractually obliged to do this and that and who has to be written off when. Uh, Etc. Um, but you, I mean, that's something that you're going to think about in plenty of other contexts. I had that thought during Noah, not because of who was under contract, but because of like what would be allowed to happen in a PG-13 movie that they're hoping makes enough money overseas to pay for itself. I mean, that you oh, can't really? blame a movie I, one for of that the few logic things, being One of the few things I'll give Noah is that when you know, once you have. Once you have that movie going, um, (laughs) anything goes. Anything goes in Noah. Um, All right. Okay. So I didn't want to get. I don't want to get off track. I'd say that this is more analogous to television, uh, where you know the the recent death that shocked the Good Wife, which is a show I've never seen, but I can you know tell from the internet, uh, was purely motivated by contractual things. Uh, The character who no longer an actor no longer. Yeah, but it dramatically worked. It doesn't matter. Oh well, sure, but um, and, and I think that. 
some of the, and we'll talk about this more in the spoiler section. Actually, maybe we should talk about it only in the spoiler section, but it didn't really work for me. But I think what Katie was saying about the action and like the whole tone of it, I think the, the Russo brothers, and I would love to read an article about how they came to be hired for this movie um, after, you know, having done Welcome to Collinwood and You, Me, and Dupree. I don't know what Marvel saw in them. I don't know if they did second unit for cheap. some of the other stuff. Cheapness. I don't know. What? They were cheap, I think. is. Yeah, but you can get people who are cheap who have... I don't know. There's something, you know, and and I think they were they saw that they had the potential to do this and also did not have distinctive enough voices to make waves, um, mm-hmm. which is why Ant-Man remains so interesting to me, because it's a filmmaker who you'll be able to tell very, very clearly if they stifle, you know, Edgar Wright's voice at all. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, they didn't want to rock the boat. You get a very, very staid uh, another you know, another entry in the Marvel thing, it's candy-coated, has the same gloss, the same sounds, the same beats. So many people saying important gravitas, you know, ego-boosting things over their shoulders as they walk away from people in cemeteries, <laughs> whatever. Uh, you know, it's all that junk. It goes on way too long. It becomes much less interesting when they feel like they need to shoehorn a lot of these things into it. But uh, I, the action is good. The parallel action that defines the last act is unsuccessful, and I think that's where you yes, see this filmmaker's I agree with that too. Uh, experience. But it's still competent. It's still better than you would see in a lot of other movies. It does look a little cheaper, but not in a way that bothered me. Um, but it, for me, it was like just going along with the character stuff for 45 minutes and then sort of that fizzling out because there's only so much meat on the bone and uh, picking up with the socio-political stuff and then that being rather, you know, obvious in its intention. I mean, this is not a movie that has, uh, it's interested in these things, but it's, it's not like a serious yeah, you wish, inquiry. You wish this movie didn't have to go out with a bang because everything right. small scale seems to work so well. And I, I mean, I didn't love all the action in this movie because I thought a lot of the angles and the editing was kind of incoherent at times. Um, this is not Paul Greengrass splicing together born set pieces and that sort of thing, high adrenaline pumping. Um, but still, I, I felt the tangibility of this action much more than any of the other Marvel movies, which are all spectacle, you know? And we've talked on the podcast before this difference between calling a movie like The Avengers an action movie and perhaps something smaller scale that's, you know, even, even Casino Royale is, has more mano a mano combat, making it more of an action movie. And that's what Winter Soldier felt like to me. There's a scene where um, Nick Fury is driving away from these pursuing gunmen. And man, when when all these bullets are shattering his windows and just the way that they're framing these guns coming at him and him getting hit in the arm or something and bleeding. I don't know. I really felt that there was a there was a I had a visceral reaction to Seeing yeah, seeing a car being powers what he doesn't have he's not a superhero so right I mean, exactly that, and and none of them are none of them really are I mean Captain America can be can be hit and killed um, yeah. and you certainly feel that when like you're on a highway trapped within burning cars and trying to escape someone no, who is don't. shooting guns at you I don't know maybe I have fear of but guns even more importantly <laughs> uh, Black Widow matters to us and to Captain America so even if we're not necessarily afraid for him. Her vulnerability as a, as a human without powers. There's a really they do a really good job of using those people without powers to make that. And they're doing it in crowds of but, real people. I think that's all, all often lost in these Marvel movies. The fights don't seem to be taking place in anywhere where there might be victims or there might be people to save. And actually, that's something that many people have praised the Avengers for compared to something like Man well, of Steel. At least Captain America is going and trying to rescue people, 
And here's the kind of same thing. There's a crowd control element where Winter Soldier comes in with two pistols and he's shooting into crowds. And who do- who cares who dies? He Honestly, just has to finish the, the mission. Bar, how low do you want to set the bar? I mean, this stuff doesn't matter. I was watching the no. Spider. I was watching the Spider-Man movies this weekend on TV because I was sick in bed. And there is a character who's defined by his obligation to the public. Um, and every villain that he's ever going to face knows full well that their greatest asset against him is that they can throw other people uh, into perilous situations and he's obligated to save them. That is a major element of that movie. Here, it is more window dressing. It is uh, adding stakes, I agree. It does not detract from any of this stuff, but uh, it's not really enough for me to do anything more than and shrug my shoulders. But the, this, the Black Widow stuff is interesting because it seems like, I don't know if they're going to make a Black Widow movie. It's starting not to seem that way. But this is part of how the overall mythology and the franchise philosophy hurts these individual movies because they do so much to add, you know, introduce her in Iron Man 2, have all this stuff about her background, the Avengers, you know, give her, she gets so many opportunities in this movie to, you know, wax poetic about her upbringing it's like you're trying to you'll be able to cut together a black widow movie by the end of phase three of these movies uh just from the other ones because they have so many things on their mind and i think this is the clearest example of all the marvel movies of a potentially good movie that is just so overloaded with other nonsense that no that would be iron man 2 oh no probably it's true i'm sorry i mean this is but like but not a potential good movie I stand by my point, actually, because Iron Man 2 was never going to be a good movie. <laughs> Iron Man 2 was a terrible movie. Uh, and, you know, I think this movie has moments where, you know, it, 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 I was enjoying it, especially in the first 40 minutes or so. And it has that opening sequence that feels like live action Metal Gear Solid 2's opening sequence for my video game nerds out there. Um, That's the raid but, on the freighter, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and there's a lot of really good shield throwing of the actual shield, not of the uh, acronym. Um, and all that stuff is fun, but I just, uh, you know, you feel like you have to do the Bucky thing to tie into the first movie and you have to do the scar, like the stuff about Black Widow's past and you have to, I mean, and the most interesting thing that the movie leaves you with is the state of shield. And that's frustrating as a viewer because it's just pointing forward to the next chapter in this, in this series. I I mean... I think that part of the thing that does interest me at the end of the movie is kind of sensing that they've painted themselves into a corner, which is I think is what the best TV shows do at the end of their seasons. And if you treat these movies kind of like uh, seasons of a TV show, which I think frustrates you, I think that really works. But I think you're just overall putting too much of your frustration with the marketing schematics and how much of these Marvel movies are <laughs> about extra textual details. You're living outside the experience. Yeah, and I think part, I mean, there are definitely ways. Wait, how am I living? I was bored watching the movie. How am I living outside of my There are ways in which it is unavoidable to think about, like, how they're setting up for whatever the next thing is going to be. But there are ways in which you don't have to think about that. And the fact, like, the idea of whether or not they're setting up for a Black Widow movie, I I didn't think about that once. Neither did I, I, yeah. It has that much to do with what this movie is doing. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm not thinking about a Black Black Widow movie while I'm watching this. I'm looking back at it and thinking, why was there 25 minutes of nonsense about her past in this movie? And it's because they're obligated to fill her in. I mean, it's... it's, Obligated uh, to fill her in? They're shading their characters with something interesting. I mean, there's... there's, it, there's yeah, a tie to her background itself. in this film. No, it it. I mean, I understand how it's. They definitely shoehorn it to be relevant to Captain America's experience in the present day. I just, I think it's just <laughs> another one of those things that uh, points towards what their true intentions are. And I feel that in the moment, as a viewer, as someone who is bored and trying to go backwards and unpack why I found you know this movie to be, I was stuck in such a morass watching it. Like, what what are all these things and. 
I mean, it, it for me, it just ultimately goes down to uh, I don't care about these characters in this particular world. I think I give I give a few shits about Captain America, but I'm good with with I like I understand his problem in the first forty five minutes. I understand uh, the conflict, the stuff between Shield and. Uh, the antagonistic force is very obvious, and uh, it has its moments. But you know, it's it's. I understand all that's happening. There's no. There's nothing there for the next eighty minutes. I don't know if I agree. Portion. I feel like the emotional buildup of those first forty minutes that you're describing are kind of kicked off. They're ignited by the the turn of this movie that propels it to the end. And I think that's kind of encapsulated by this scene where Captain America finds himself against shield and he has to kink a bunch of guys asses in in a uh, an elevator people he knows people he doesn't want to hurt and then he tries to escape and he has to you know he can't he has to jump out of building to escape and find a motorcycle and then he scene. he encounter like this giant plane starts shooting at him you know that's it's this giant presence of shield versus this tiny little guy it doesn't matter if you're captain america the whole world's against you that's suddenly cool. and I, I don't know i felt the weight of that because of everything that that Chris Evans brings the role, every, these dramatic seeds planted throughout, you know, something that I imagine you think is sloppy that really worked for me, similar to the Natasha Romanoff shading, would be um, Steve Rogers catching up with uh, Peggy Carter, the old Peggy Carter. Uh, and I, I, That scene goes nowhere. I mean, like, I, I, I appreciated her being... Uh, invoked in some way because as someone who saw and hazily remembers the first movie I remember her and thought that was important something that would be on his mind but I would have much rather she were dead and he just visits her gravestone. I mean you get nothing out of that out of that scene uh, it doesn't really go anywhere but um, you know the big thing that when I really checked out of this movie and this is probably where we segue into spoiler territory is uh, when I like all the stakes and I know this is classic comic book shenanigans but for me, I mean, and that doesn't necessarily translate to a movie, um, you know, a certain character, if... Uh, uh, well, should we, should we just call it? Yeah, let's just call. Let's just go into spoiler territory. Okay, this is the official point where we are going to talk about spoilers for Captain America, the Winter Soldier. So, Nick Fury is, finger quotes, killed. <laughs> um, and it's done very sudden in a way that foolish me actually believed in uh maybe i've seen too many movies where death is i'm completely with you i thought he was actually gonna be dead and that brings up the point that you made earlier about contract negotiations i'm like oh maybe he's done all the movies they could totally kill him like no one wants to renegotiate i knew he had sam jackson oh really yeah so i knew that he was see i had no idea and i was like okay here's here's something that it's actually going to shake up captain america's world this is actually going to uh, put, there's going to be stakes here. I mean, obviously, there are million. I mean, it's so hazily defined, this thing about killing all of the potential threats to Hydra, targeting three million people. I mean, it's ridiculous, and it does not pay off at all. Um, and I thought that was really... Why is it ridiculous? Can you, ta- can you actually... Because, see, no, it's just talk. <laughs> it's just, they're just like, hey, we're going to hit this button and kill three million people. And I'm not saying that I don't have a tremendous amount of faith in MacGuffins and Red Herrings and all these things, and, but they have to be executed well. But you and still see them like kill the, helpless people. Like, you see Robert Redford, who is a member of Hydra, um, Hydra. you know, shoot selfless people. You know, defenseless people, point blank. Like Listen, these guys are saying, lethal, and they believe, will kill you. I believe that. I mean, I and they're tied to the Nazis. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's all you have to do to understand this. This, you know, their threat level, of course. But at the same time, I'm just talking about in the context of this movie, this whole 
thing. We're going to put the things up there. They're going to kill everyone. I mean, like, there was not, like, you need to see the classic, it's missing the classic example scene, you know, in the jackal when they shoot off Jack Black's arm or in, uh, you know, I, I don't know why. That's the first example I thought of. But in every movie where there's this big evil thing, they always, they test it out a little bit. You get a tangible feeling as to what it does. This was, this laser thing targeting all of, Hydra's threats. It's all hearsay the whole movie long. I never really believed in it. The only thing I had to invest in was Nick Fury's death, and I felt so cheated. And I, I, Nick Fury is a very uninteresting character to me, um, and as and he's just like a, a mechanism in all these movies, and they're trying to humanize him now, and it's like too late for me to care. But you know, as soon as they're like, just kidding, he's alive, he's been waiting here the whole time, I was just done. I was ready to leave. Like, I just, I'd gotten. You know, I, that's the rules you're going to play by. I don't know. I just wasn't into it. Because I thought he was dead, I got I was kind of fulfilled by the fact that he he wasn't that he was brought back. It didn't feel as cheap to me. I know I know what you're saying. Um, and okay. I certainly thought that to myself. I'm like, wait a second. But it was nice to see the gang back together off the grid, you know, Mission Impossible style and and kind of yeah. concocting a plan, you know, to break back into S.H.I.E.L.D. and take down Hydra, which I must say. That really surprised me. I mean, I knew there was some sort of mole inside S.H.I.E.L.D. I figured it would just be some sort of shadow government run by Robert Redford. But to tie it back to the first movie, and I'm showing my affection for that film, which I love. I really love Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, tying it back to Hydra, I was just like, what? That's great. That's so stupid. But I love, like, it, part of the love of comic book movies sometimes is just how ridiculous they can get. And to tie it back to Hydra, like, that's a that's crazy. And the return of, of Toby Jones in the form of an <laughs> yeah. It's a talking computer. computer. I remember, so we, I was talking to our friend Mike Ryan, and he had seen it, and he told me that that was going to happen. He's like, and it's the dumbest thing in the world. And then it is I loved dumb, it. And it's so great. It's so Wait, good. Mike so Ryan hilarious. didn't like that? He did not like that. He thought that That's... was a ridiculous plot twist. But it's hilarious. It's, it's very so, silly and fun. Like, it's so silly and fun. It I feels like. so, I mean, I am the last person who can claim to be an authority on this mode of storytelling. But I feel like, you know, from my younger days, I get what they're going for here. I get that I certainly am familiar with the movies that they're trying to tap into. And for me, that scene with Toby Jones on the computer, I mean, it felt so perfect in the serial, in the same tone that the first movie tried and, and it achieved, even though it didn't really entertain me, sort of way. That, like serialized Indiana Jones uh, type. Yeah, complete type with another montage um, similar to the first film. That was a nice nod, just like zipping through history in a stylized way. I really appreciated that. But I think that's a great scene. I think this, the the implications of Hydra's involvement with Shield and and finally taking I mean so sick of Shield the chest thumping Shield and like Shield did this and Shield did that and like I was so glad when when that horrible Gary what's his name Clark Gregg when his character died what a noxious presence like I was so happy to <laughs> someone's be not there. watching Agents of Shield I guess yeah, yeah, someone sure is not alive. I feel like many millions of someone's are not um, no I know he's alive on that show which is part of you know I'm I'm doing them the favor of not considering that canon pretending that's not uh, yeah and um, you know I thought that that stuff that stuff works really well uh, it's just, it's, and again, as you can tell, I mean, from this conversation, there are a lot of things that we can all agree work very well in this movie. I just think as a whole, it has too many masters and doesn't really congeal well. And it has, it puts its emphasis and its priorities on the least interesting stuff, um, which is a bummer. I mean, I don't think that the Toby Jones stuff would have worked for more than a scene. I mean, I think it has the, you know, it, it does its job and gets out of there. But just in general, I think, um, it's really stealing movie, transcendence's thunder. 
Yeah, I know. <laughs> the movie doesn't really, have its own was, interest at heart. I was prepared for Toby Jones to like be the villain of the end of the movie, and I was like, oh god, no. That would have been and ridiculous. They just, uh, they just moved on from that. There's just, I mean, I'm you're talking about it serving too many masters, and I just think about Thor: The Dark World, which had this giant race of elf evil people who were just put there to have some other. It had no identity. Oh my god, it was so obnoxious and empty and then at least in this you've got not only shield which is an organization we've come to know but the idea of an overreaching government which is something that is a powerful real world connotation it's not combined with the swagger of robert redford i mean i i yeah i I appreciated what he was doing in this movie i I thought he was very good he's he's fine like the scene with his the scene with his uh with the maid with the maid oh my god like you know i I like that scene i thought of what um I mean, it's playing on his stardom. Slagging Robert Redford the other day. What? Uh, some actor was was saying, you know, Robert Redford. He's not a very good actor. He has these iconic roles, but he's not. Um, oh yeah, I remember someone he, saying that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about the. I mean, this is like the driest, least interesting performance. There's no sense of dynamism to it. I thought that the scene with the maid was sort of ridiculous. Um, uh, sure, but he's a Nazi. He's a secret Nazi. He kind of like, gotta. He needs to be dry. In order to be revealed, of, of a less interesting way to reveal his threat, like and the, the threat that he poses to <laughs> the world, it's like he killed his maid. So now we know that he is no, literally the, the most point, dangerous person on earth. The whole point is that we know that he poses a threat anyway because Captain America distrusts this inte- incredible amount of technology that Shield has. In the same way that Nick Fury is not the best guy in the Avengers because he's the one who's lying to them and putting them as part of this I'm machinery. I'm not saying that, that that's not of. the point. I'm saying that the uh, it's. I'm talking purely about dramatic action and how the way that the story unfolds and what that beat accomplishes is it cements your understanding that Robert Redford's character is evil and we understand the extent to which his evil can impact the world given his position at S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, and that is how they choose to reveal it. And I think that, like, you know, it's... it's I can understand how uh, in its nascent stages they thought that that was an interesting way of doing it. You have this low-stakes domestic situation and you're like, oh, my shit. But it's so telegraphed. It's so silly in a way that the Toby Jones stuff... Uh, is has an excuse to be that silly. This does not. Although it's one of the uh, only scenes that's not completely overlit like every other Marvel movie. It has <laughs> shadows. I will give true. you that. I will definitely give you that. <laughs> um, they need. They need to. I mean, there, there's. This movie could have stood to have a, a little more grit, a little more shadow, a little more of the genre it was riffing on. It's again. I, I really can't stand the Marvel. Um, homogeny you know just like yeah, everything yeah. looks exactly the as bland as the last thing so that they the can all combine is, the score is yeah the score is just uh, totally forgettable i mean it's intense in the moment it functions but it's not it's not like first avenger that had this kind of sweeping throwback idea going on an idea just something driving it stylistically not just plot driven and not just performance a form if you will <laughs> That's what I like so much about that uh, Guardians of the Galaxy teaser at the end of uh, Thor is that it looks super weird. It looked like a yeah, but it's still Star Trek episode. It still looks it's still overlit. But yeah, it's it's, still, it's about look. It's about the 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 texture of this film, and this movie doesn't again, have. That. I think it's the Ant Ant Man is is the bellwether. You know, it is uh, it's the first genuine auteur that they have um, in their stable here, and I think how dare you say such a thing about the Russo brothers. And uh, I think what they allow Edgar Wright to do with this movie is going to completely. You're you're everything you fear. You are a fanboying out in anticipation for Ant Man. You gotta you gotta no, dial just, it back there. It's gonna be incredibly telling as to you know what they uh, 
what what their intentions are with with the rest of this, how much freedom they're willing to give filmmakers. I uh, I think we should wrap up our conversation about Captain America. You are going to go see it or not. You've already made your decision whether or not we tell you it's worth it's good. But I mean, David, you would tell people to see it, right? Like, do you I mean? No. Is it a zeitgeist <laughs> film? <laughs> um, if you are uh, if you're not addicted to the Marvel teat. Then oh by God. all means, you're getting, oh there's nothing sheeple. here. All it does They're is all sheeple. There's not. I, I think that if this movie existed on its own, it's a passable at best. I don't really think that there. It doesn't exist on I, its I, own. It can't. No, but I'm saying that like you know the only if you're it, it exists on its own if you're not going in for the whole Marvel experience. I mean, like if you didn't see all the other movies and you're like, yeah, am I going to go see Captain America? People should see um, this movie just to see Gary Shandling mutter hail Hydra. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> bloated Gary Shandling. It's, uh, the, uh, not it's, looking that much. Did like the Jew in you like, tra- I, I, I feel like I would have a reaction to seeing this very Jewish man's basically sail. Well, he says hail Hydra, hail Hitler. It's Gary. And then there's Emily Van Camp. <laughs> oh yeah. She's in it. Uh, totally yeah. throw away. Um, you know, I, I honestly, it's exactly as Katie said. I mean, you're probably, if you're listening to the show, I think the vast majority of you are probably going to see this movie. Uh, I don't begrudge you that I saw this movie on my own volition so I could talk to you about it. But, um, uh, you know, if, if, it, if you go to the theater on Friday and your choices are this or under the skin and you're only going to shell out for one movie this oh, weekend, screw for, you. The love of, for the love of God, please see Under so the Skin. So many people go in being like, hmm, Captain America or Under the Skin. I know, I know. I know but that's Katie just, and I you know. endorse Captain America the Winter Soldier. We, we say do. see this movie. It is good. It is a fun I, movie. I want you all to see it, and then I want you all to come back to me and talk about Scarlett Johansson's hair and why you think they did that to it, because it's a story. Oh, I was offended by yeah. this, like, this costume that she whips out, like, between scenes. She's suddenly wearing something in the climax of this film that is all about accentuating her side boob, which kind of offended me, but... It also offended me that they show her out of the shower with wet hair, and then in the next scene, she has perfectly coiffed hair. But she's in Anthony Mackie's apartment. He was not going to have hair. Maybe that's hair. her superhero that? trait. Maybe she does, does her, have she a superpower. Iron her hair with the use of no products. Whatsoever. Yes, that is such a like a 1960s superhero power for a woman. Unfortunately, Just the ability to be able to do your hair on the fly. Yeah. So let's talk about Black Widow's hair and. Um, there are legit thrills in Captain America the Winter Soldier. I hope people enjoy it. I, I was I was kind of surprised. I was ready to be underwhelmed, frankly. It's the trailers did nothing better. for me. The trailers I mean It's definitely better than the Dark World. Yes. <laughs> it is uh, which I only saw half of, but the for the half I saw. I thought you said you saw forty five minutes of it. Forty five how long is that it? Is oh my not, god, I mean, you're right. <laughs> Two hours, uh, like all the Marvel movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and on final note, Hail Hydra. question yes it was in honor of captain america 2 which we just reviewed who is an on-screen hero that best typifies the true american hero i was gonna i really wanted to lay into american in the uh the tweeting of this question but no one would let me because i feel like straight up america is not not perfect it's not really that heroic is it david what's your answer sorry for that moral Uh, question i mean i will There are are some good choices here. I'm going to go with Julian Fadul at Julian Fadul, who says, 
Uh, Daniel Plainview, but then he yeah. says, but seriously, probably James Stewart as Jefferson Smith in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Uh, you know, I think uh, that that character has stood the test of time and remained an American icon for a reason. I think the, his uh, it's it's very pure, but it, what you know, it's what America wants to be. So for me, I'm going to go with well, a lot of people said John McLean, um, but for different reasons. Our friend Christy Puchko said he's a modern cowboy playing by his own rules, right? Um, but then. What might be a better reflection at this point and why he is a true American hero is uh, Matt Wilson at Elastic Jimbo says, John McClane, a good day to die hard. He may not be a good person at this point, but he's the modern Republican's wet dream. Wow. Sure. He's just going into Russia and busting everyone up. I guess that's what we want now. Like Captain, wait, that's not a good day to die hard, is it? A good, oh no, I'm thinking of live free. Or live die free or die hard is John McClane versus an airplane. So that was oh, good. <laughs> that's a form of the American dream as well. Oh good. Um, and I am going with Kip J Mooney, who says Frank Underwood, because you know what? He gets shit done. I mean, I said that, not Kip. J. Does Mooney. he get shit done? Yeah, he like gets he like forces bills through Congress. I guess I should finish House of Cards or begin House of Cards. <laughs> that's a step in the right direction. Um, yeah, do that and report back to us. Um, that does it for today's Fighting in the Warm Room. We'll be back next week. There's not any superhero movies coming out next week. It's a brief respite before uh, summer movie season begins properly. Uh, so in the meantime, tell the people who you are. I am Matt Patches. I am on Twitter at Mr. Patches, and I write on the internet all over the place, so I try and put it all on my website, mattpatches.com. I'm David Ehrlich. I'm a freelance writer. You can find me these days for the most part on The Dissolve and on Twitter at David Ehrlich and at Criterion Corner. And I'm Katie Rich. You can find me at Vanity Fair's Hollywood or on Twitter at Katie Rich, K-A-T-E-Y-R-A-C-H. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back talking to you next week.